From the protectors of the internet, the Wisconsin Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, it's the PKO Podcast. Welcome to the PKO Podcast, sponsored by the Wisconsin Department of Justice Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. I'm Dana, and I'm excited to welcome another guest today. Today, uh, Carolyn is joining us from the Illinois Attorney General's Office. She's an internet safety specialist there, so she does a lot of education and prevention work um, with students, parents, community members around the topic of online safety. Uh, so with that, welcome, Carolyn. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this I'm excited. Is so, yes, it's so exciting. I'm really excited to continue to um, enhance the partnership between our two ICACs, too. This is great. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as I was mentioning right before we hit the record button, um, Carolyn is new to our our um, podcast and the format of what we do. And so I told her that I always try to have a joke available. And today I actually even have a tech joke, Carolyn. So <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready for it. All right. What is a thousand times better than Instagram? Mm, I don't know what Insta kilogram. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> did you make this up? I did Is this not. your own? If I had made that up, <laughs> I would sure? be writing joke books for a living. No, <laughs> I am so thankful that my teammates, my family, people that I know, send me jokes when they come across them, and I save them for when I have podcasts and use them on here. So feel free to use it. <laughs> It would be funny if there was an entire stand-up set all based around online jokes that have to do with (laughs) online materials, but I don't know if that would get uncomfortable. (laughs) That would be uncomfortable humor. They they could gather them from my podcast and I'd be rolling on the floor laughing. I love the corny jokes. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, these nice cheesy ones are good. Yeah. (laughs) Feel free to share them anytime you have them. I will. Uh, so Carolyn and I were introduced, um, you may have, have heard our, one of our previous episodes here as I was talking with the cybercrime specialist from her office and Carolyn and I got in touch because, um, we both were interested in talking about a topic that, that we haven't previously broached a whole lot. And that is technology with our very young crowds. So kind of like that toddler age. Um, and I think that there's a couple of interesting things to introduce with this. So, uh, Carolyn, if it's okay, I am going to share um, how I kind of came across this topic, and then we'll kind of delve into what you found on it. Does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds great. So I came across an article, and this is what started this conversation, and it was about whether or not your your phone is ruining your baby's attention span. And as I was reading this, it really... it it resonated with me because I have seen this. Um, It's very easy if you're, if you're holding a child or if you're, you know, they're napping or eating or whatever it might be. And, you know, you decide to glance through your email or scroll through Facebook or something like that. um, It's easy to do that, to kind of give yourself a little break from those things. And that's what this article is saying is that, that if they're, if the parent's attention span is on something else, that impacts the baby's attention span and what they want to focus on is kind of what I got from this article. Um, and Carolyn, I don't know if you had a chance to read through that and had any thoughts on on that as well. 
Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> when <laughs> thinking about, you know, just attention span alone, um, it, not even just so I feel like this could go into di- different directions, really. Um, the parents using it in front of the children, but then also, you know, when kids are online constantly. But either way, whether it's children or adults, um, and I, I think there there has been some research on it. The Amer- American Academy of Pediatrics says that there hasn't been enough to really definitively say if it's an addiction or how it impacts um, the possibility of kids developing ADHD Mm. and having that loss of attention span. But when we're online and when we're doing things on our smartphones or tablets, usually we're not just doing one thing. We're usually bouncing back and forth, maybe scrolling Instagram, and then we pop into an ad and then we see that ad, then we check out that or maybe look at you know, whatever the products are, and then we check a text that comes in, and then we might bounce into our email. So all of this moving around that we do when we're on screens is kind of training our brains to not stay on one focal path, and mm. it's becoming more and more normal for our, you know, our, our just our neural pathways to jump from one thing to the next. And that doesn't really help, especially with small kids when you know, doesn't help them to stay focused on something. And in a way, I mean, that really is the issue with, you know, there's been a huge rise in the amount of children that are being diagnosed with ADHD. Right. And I can't say that 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 is the, you know, I can't say that this is the causal factor, but it, yeah. we can definitely say that there's a correlation there. Um, but yeah, I always try to tell kids too. And I mean, this also applies to adults, but, and it, it's hard, especially for adults, because sometimes at the end of the night, this is the time when you have to relax, or this is the time when you have to check your emails and your texts that came in for the day. But shutting those things off about an hour before bed, because there's been some studies that will show that all of the activity that you're doing, kind of jumping from thought process to thought process, is keeping our brains more awake, more alert, and overstimulated. And then it actually takes a longer time to fall asleep and to reach that deep sleep because your brain is already kind of in overstimulus mode. Mm. So then if you don't reach deep sleep, especially for kids, if they're not reaching deep sleep as soon or not getting enough deep sleep over the night, then, you know, they're crabby in the morning. They're, you know, they haven't had enough sleep. That's also going to impact how how much of education that they're getting in the school day, how much they can absorb, you know, the information if they can even pick up on it because they're tired. Right. Um, and also, you know, not to ramble on too much, but also um, the blue light. I was actually just talking to uh, my brother about this because he has these glasses that he uses when he does online gaming hmm. to kind of filter out that blue light because the the lighting from the screens also impacts the stimulus that our brain is picking up on. So we're getting all the stimulus. So to kind of go back to what you're talking about attention span, our attention spans, you know, we're sort of evolving to a state of not having good attention spans because we're training our, you know, we're training our minds to jump from thing to thing. And that might be good maybe for multitasking. I think that, you know, in some ways there could be some positives, but it might make it harder to stay focused. And, you know, that there's some research out there that's showing that, you know, kids are getting diagnosed with ADD even younger. And I do wonder if they did a study or if if someone could do a study on, um, you know, if, the the kids that are being diagnosed with ADHD, how much screen time do they yeah. have? How, how often are they using screens? How interesting. So you just dove down, like you dove way down this path on, on this topic that uh, I hadn't even <laughs> gotten out the gate on. This is 
Um, that's really interesting to think about that stuff because I mean, really, if you kind of sum up everything you were just talking about, it lands back on that main point that we talk about as far as setting a good example for our kids with online usage. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one from, like you said, making sure your brain has time to shut off, making sure we all have good breaks, which is hard. I get that. That's hard. Um, but also now we're seeing from this, this attention span piece, like we're talking about, because this article even talks about the fact that not even, not even just like if they're seeing that, um, our attention span is on this device, but it also talks about if, if we as parents and guardians are paying attention to what they are doing, they will pay attention to that longer. Whereas if our attention is on something else, our phones or devices or even, you know, chores or something like that, that they will, the child will lose focus on what, on their own activity sooner. Okay. Yeah. I think too, um, and this is just maybe going in a slightly different direction, but a lot of research shows, you know, child development research will show that kids learn more from what they see rather than what people say. So mm. if a parent is saying, you know, um, don't do this or do this, it's not that those things don't resonate, but they will repeat more the behaviors that they see in front of them or the actions that they're actually seeing. So if a parent is spending so much time online, even if that parent is saying, I don't want you to be online so much, or I want you to, you know, we want to set limits for you, they're still learning what's right and wrong by what they see happening. So maybe the parent is putting those rules in place, but they're not modeling that same behavior. Sure. And that can cause that problem. Yeah. And also some um, kids, if they're, if they're continuously seeing that parents are kind of burying their heads in their, you know, in their technology, if they don't feel supported or if they don't feel that the attention is on them when they need it, those kids are more likely to turn to social media for someone that is going to give them the attention that they're craving Correct. or for someone that's going to. Yeah. Or even if they're looking for support, if something has gone wrong and they want to talk to someone, they might feel like, you know, mom or dad is busy. They're, they're doing things on their phone. I'll look for someone online. And sometimes, unfortunately, that might not be actual friends. It might be, you know, strangers and right. they're just looking for that support. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and addition, additionally with that, um, those end up being the kids that are more vulnerable to risky situations because they're seeking that kind of attention. They're seeking support. They're seeking just someone to talk to. And, you know, we know that predators and groomers those are the children that they look for. They look for kids where, you know, they take advantage of that vulnerability and they will say things like, well, you can talk to me or I'm here for you or, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be your friend when your parents are not listening. And that's how they kind of, you know, get them to trust them and they establish that good rapport with them. And that could lead down a pretty scary road. Yeah. Yeah. So let's um, let's dial back a little bit on the age and let's talk more about this toddler piece, um, because I think sure. that it's a really great way to introduce online safety is to be able to do it, um, you know, just as soon as they start accessing technology in any in any way. And Carolyn, you recently have started doing um, some some safety presentations based specifically around toddlers and technology. 
Um, and so I thought that this was a great way to kind of introduce this topic because you were saying you had found out some interesting things on this about like the devices that they use and, and, you know, times around that and that kind of stuff. So, um, I guess let's start with that. Like what's the, you were talking about the most common device you're seeing toddlers use in research. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, I think there hasn't been quite enough research really out there on this age group of toddlers because everyone's worried about, you know, the kids that are on social media. And I think a lot of people think, well, toddlers can't, you know, they can't read or type yet. So they're not on social media. So they're not exposed to dangerous people, but they're still getting a lot of exposure to content and content can be, you know, a safety issue as well. And even um, the time that they're spending, you know, there's a lot of different risks, but and the studies show that, and I was kind of saying before, originally, I wanted to call this, uh, call the webinar that we're doing on toddlers, toddlers and technology, the tablet baby generation, because I, I always kind of was under the impression that small toddlers had tablets and they're looking at tablets because I've seen it so often. Sure. But um, Pew, Pew Research Center finds that toddlers are using TV most often. Um, that's definitely the go-to, but cell phones more often than tablets. So parents are giving, you know, probably just handing over their own cell phones, but there is a small percentage of parents who are giving their little ones their own smartphones. I mean, like I said, it's it's a small percentage, but, you know, some parents are reporting that their, their little one has their own phone before the age of two. So it's kind of interesting to think that you know, there's a number of babies out there who haven't even reached their first birthday or, you know, they're not even potty trained yet, but they have their own smartphone. Oof. <laughs> That's, wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Weird to think about. And I don't want to judge any parents. No. Because um, I'm guessing they're probably learning it for or they're using it for learning activities and, and cartoons and things like that. But yes. knowing that they, they have their own, that one was bought specifically for them, kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, no, and my oof wasn't judgment. And I apologize if it came across that way. My oof was overwhelmed by that, that right. thought oh, yeah. and, and trying to manage that. I mean, it's so hard for me to manage safety stuff on my own device, let alone my family's, let alone thinking about doing it for that age that has no control over what they're doing. Anyway, I just, it, it, uh, that's, it just raises a lot of concerns in my mind is all of things I would want to deal with. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, some of the things that go ahead, oh, go ahead. please keep going. I, I I'm really interested in this topic and the things that you found. Okay. Um, yeah. So you said that, you know, you were talking about some of the concerns that you have and a lot of the concerns that pop up in the research that I was looking at about this particular age group is um, the concern about social skills. So a lot of parents, I think it's kind of interesting because there are a lot more parents reporting that they allow their little ones to, you know, to use technology and to use devices. But at the same time, we have more parents now that are worried about how that's going to impact them. So it's just kind of interesting because we're seeing that more and more parents are allowing it, but you know, they're also reporting the feeling that there's going to be more potential harms mm. and 71%, 71%. So that's a lot of parents um, are reporting that they feel like the potential harms are actually outweighing the benefits. So there's sort of kind of a weird disparity because at the same time that 70% of parents are worried about this and thinking that it's more harmful and good, we're still seeing the numbers rise with yeah. how many parents are ha handing over the handing over the devices. And it's it's increased um, since 2011. It was about 10% of parents reported 
um, you know, their children under the age of two using digital devices. And then it went up to 38% in 2013. So that was only a couple years difference. And now today, yeah, so it quadrupled in just a couple years from 2011 to 2013. And I think that was kind of when smartphones were really picking up Mm. um, and kind of, you know, being marketed and everything Mm. with all of the apps and things like that. But um, today, some research is showing over fifty percent. Some is showing sixty percent. So it's it keeps climbing for the for the little the little ones, the little mm-hmm. you know infants. How and interesting! How using it. Yeah, and I wonder too. I mean, I've read some things before about the generational responses to technology, and I wonder if that has something to do with this because you've got a couple of you've got a um, a split generation parenting right now, and and one I think is probably the one that was raised with a lot of this internet, you know, stranger danger kind of message um, with the online content and that kind of thing. And then one that was raised with the technology. And um, I wonder if, if, if those combined are why we're seeing like more devices with younger ages, but then also more concern about what, what's going on on those devices, because you've got both groups of parents there. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, who who knows, right? <laughs> we can throw stuff out like this all day just because we read so much of it. But um so I guess let's talk about um safety considerations with the, those toddler ages. Do you have a couple of bullet points that we can throw out there that you've found are good recommendations? Um, as people start talking about technology with that, not necessarily talking about it, but introducing technology to that young age or, um, you know, just resources or anything like that to share out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think sort of just a safety tip, and this might be common knowledge for, you know, many parents, but previewing the things that they're watching. So if your toddler likes to watch a specific cartoon and you're using, for example, maybe YouTube kids, you know, I know that it's hard to to take the extra time, you know, especially parents are so busy. So taking that extra time to preview and watch cartoons without them might seem like, you know, kind of an extreme suggestion or extreme request. But sometimes they're, you know, kids are coming across all kinds of content online. And if we just kind of allow it to, you know, if they're on YouTube, it's going to scroll into the next thing and you don't know exactly what it is that's going to pop up next. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think a lot of parents assume that if the platform is meant for kids, then it's probably safe and everything is pre-screened. But even those platforms, you know, people can still manipulate and change content. So for example, with YouTube kids, um, you know, it's not that this is all the time, all day long, but there are, you know, parents that have reported, they look over, they see their child, you know, just watching Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig or something like that. And it looks safe and they say, okay, well, that's something they always watch. I'm familiar with that show and I approve of it. But then at some point in the middle of the content, it the there's a video that's been spliced into it yes. and it could be something violent. It could be something pornographic. It could also be, um, you know, there was that video that was going around for a while with a man that was talking to kids about suicide and encouraging them to commit suicide, Mm. giving instructions on how they can do it. In some of the cartoons, it's not so much a spliced video that's kind of inserted into it, but the content itself is manipulated. I mean, I've seen Peppa Pig 
shoot up heroin. I've seen Peppa Pig smoking. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen Mickey Mouse, uh, you know, running around with knives. There's just a lot of stuff out there that, you know, the content can be can be damaging and it's instilling these images in kids' minds at a really young age. And a lot of those tend to be kind of solidified in their thinking. Yeah. So, so um, if I your guess, partner comes home and finds you watching cartoons, you say it's for your safety review <laughs> for your kids to watch cartoons yes. then, right? Exactly. So there you go. Yes. So I, I think it's just a good idea to preview some things. And I really do think that from my observation, um, but kids like to watch the same cartoons over and over or the same movies over and over. Yeah. A lot of them do yep. because they start to, they start to memorize the scenes. And I think that's a familiarity or a comfort that they enjoy. So, you know, even if you watch a couple and that just, they have a rotation of maybe four shows or three movies that they watch, as long as you've previewed them, you know, keep them in a, in a playlist or in a downloaded folder, you know, things that you've already pre-approved. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that would be a good recommendation if, you know, if you have the time for that. Also, um, there's a lot of search engines that will claim to be kid friendly. Uh -huh. So, and I know that, I know that toddlers are not necessarily typing things in, but some toddlers have, you know, brother, sister, sibling, that's a little bit older than them and sometimes uses technology with them. So some of these search engines, that claim to be kid friendly are supposed to be a better alternative than Google so that so you're not getting all the clutter of, you know, all the possibilities that could come up. And since it's kind of a popular thing among kids to watch these unboxing videos and mm. watching other kids play with toys, mm -hmm. I I tried this. I went on to KidRex because they claim to be a friendly, a child-friendly search engine. And I just typed in something that might be, you know, commonly searched by kids. I typed in girls use toys. And you can imagine, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the top of the screen showed some ads for actual child toys, but right underneath it, all the links said adult toys, adult cleaning products, adult, you know, it was all adult websites. It was all pornography underneath that. Right. And that was, that was through. And I don't want to, um, you know, we can't endorse products or anything like that. So I don't, I don't know if I should be mentioning Kid Rex specifically, um, well, I think that there are but definitely just, a lot of things out there and, and we do talk about the different, um, you know, we do talk about how there are apps and, and sites that are geared towards helping parents and, and being more child friendly, like you said. Um, and so it doesn't matter what what browser you're going on and looking up those types of terms, you're going to get those sort of risky responses to to ambiguous terms like that, unfortunately. So I get what you're saying, but um, that's across the board. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so I guess my suggestion, I, I can't suggest any specific search engines or browsers, um, but my suggestion or recommendation would be to check it out first. You know, if if you're interested in one that's more kid friendly and you'd like your child to be using that more often, or even if you want to, you know, if you're looking up content for your child to watch, you know, check out those alternatives. There's another one called Kittle. I tried a few things on there. That one mostly um, it was all children's toys and children's sites. I didn't see anything that came up that was questionable, but it could still happen. You know, so really just taking the time to either preview content, preview the sites where you're getting the content, you know, playing around with those a little bit and kind of getting to know the technology that you're letting your child use is really important. Yes. Yep. And yeah, utilize some of those other things. There's, you know, nothing's foolproof, but utilize the filters that allow you to, you know, set things for age appropriateness or, um, 
you know, filter out some of that more adult content or those sorts of things, because that's going to catch things like language and that sort of stuff, too, in some instances. So it's good to just be aware of the different tools that are offered to you either through the device or through the app or um, whatever it might be. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also even just checking out, um, you know, if you're not sure and you're kind of looking, I, I feel like there's so many things, you know, especially new parents, there, there's all these questions, all these different things they have to navigate. So yes. technology is just one of many. Um, but checking out common sense media can be really helpful because it can, you know, you can look at the ratings and the reviews of games and um, apps and TV shows, even books. So I definitely think common sense media is a good place for parents to, you know, scroll around when you get a little time and just check to see, you know, if, if there's cartoons that your children are watching or if there's anything that you're accessing online, check to see if there's a review on it from others that are taking the time to, you know, they have the time to do that review because that what they're supposed to do for their website. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, And they've got that, I think it was called Sensical that they were putting out too, that has um, all those reviewed shows and stuff too. I think it was a search engine that was pre-reviewed content only. So there's different tools like that that are out there to try to help with this matter. You just got to kind of dig a little bit, unfortunately, like you said, even when your time might be limited (laughs) as a new parent or something. Um, but Carolyn, I want to, I also want to, um, put a plug out for this because like we talk about with, uh, from Wisconsin, where this, this podcast is from, what we talk about isn't Wisconsin subject matter. This is stuff that impacts everybody. And so we want people to feel free to, to use this podcast and share this podcast. And same thing with, with you in Illinois, the information that you're sharing isn't Illinois specific, um, in most instances, and so I wanted to give you a chance to uh, share your website for the Illinois Attorney General's office um, where people can go if they're looking for more information on online safety or if they want to touch base with you if they are in your area about maybe presentations or something like that. Yeah. Um, so first, I'll say that we have a whole series of webinars that we're doing, and it's not, you know, state specific. It, we usually say that these are statewide webinars. Anyone is, um, you know, allowed to join, but they're really open to the public. So anybody from any other state can join these. And if you want to be on our contact list, you can actually reach out to me. And my email is, I'll spell it out. It's K-A-R-I-L-Y-N dot O-R-R at I-L-A-G dot gov. But we also are um, putting up information and we're we're in the process of creating a whole new website right now, but you can still find information on our website. You can go to the Illinois Attorney General's office uh, website and that you could for that you would just go to IllinoisAttorneyGeneral.gov. But we have, you know, one section of that site is the Internet Safety section. And on, on that portion, you can find resources for parents. You can find resources for educators, even activities. you know, there's ideas for safer internet day or delete day, things like that. So for that one, you would go to www.ebully, E-B-U-L-L-Y, 411.com. And sometimes people ask, why is it eBully? Um, but from what I've been told, the previous um, administration was more focused on, not that they weren't focused on everything, but cyberbullying was sort of the, the big central focus. So the, the website is eBully. But we're going to be changing that pretty soon. We're going to have a new site called Online Safe, Online Smart. Oh, very good. Well, I look forward to seeing that. Uh, and yeah, certainly, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that we can focus on within online safety, right? And cyberbullying is definitely one of them. 
um, that we want to pay attention to too. So I get it. Um, but yeah, yeah, so much information, so many resources. I also want to point people to our website if there are um, things that you want to touch base with us about and would like us to do an episode on, or if you need any information from uh, Carolyn from her episode here, you can always reach out to us through our website at icac.widoj.gov um, or connect with us on our social media as well. And we'll be happy to kind of dig into some stuff and do the research for you. Um, so Carolyn, I want to say thank you so, so much for all the information that you shared today and for joining me and give you a chance. Is there anything that you want to kind of share as we close out today? Yeah, sure. Uh, there's just a couple things that I um, wanted to make sure that I mentioned. One thing that I, I don't think a lot of people really kind of put a lot of thought into this, but I think people think that toddlers are safe online because they aren't using social media, but we need to be mindful that we are still kind of imposing a social media presence on toddlers because you know parents are posting a lot about their children. And this kind of came to mind after a few presentations that I was at. And these were not toddlers, of course, but I had some elementary school kids and even some middle schoolers that say they're not on social media, but their mom and dad are posting or, you know, or their guardians are posting so many pictures of them. And it makes I've actually had kids say it makes them uncomfortable, but they don't know how to ask their parents to not post that. Um, so kind of applying that to, yeah, it really made me think about the online presence that, that parents kind of create for their kids that, you know, they might not fully have consent, (laughs) um, for that, but, um, you know, just kind of thinking about that. I think it's important to ask kids if they mind, if, you know, can we put your pictures up from your birthday party or, you know, can we post the pictures from, you know, grandma's barbecue or something like that? Do you mind if I put those on Facebook for our friends and family to see? Cause I think that does teach them to care about other people's privacy. It gives them an example that you should ask other people before just posting anything. Mm-hmm. And it will teach them about consent, which can be helpful in all kinds of areas of society. Mm-hmm. But um, and also just keeping in mind, too, that, you know, interpersonal interaction is really important. Um, You know, the interactions that we have face to face with other people really does help to develop our sense of others. So that can be, you know, that can foster empathy, that can foster a wider perspective of the experience of other people. And that can kind of boost our sense of self and those things you know, those things can foster critical thinking and, you know, good skills for navigating any kind of experience. So kids that have more interpersonal interactions show a little bit more resilience. And that can be helpful for if they ever come to a situation online where, you know, they're they're being harassed, they're being bothered or something like that. Mm-hmm. Feeling confident in how they respond and and feeling like they can get help and that kind of thing, too. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sorry not to jump around, but going back to uh, sometimes things will just pop into my mind and I'm like, oh, yeah, this other thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But talking about the online presence of children that parents kind of impose on children by posting a lot about them, if they are doing that. a lot of parents like to post those pictures of little kids, the bath time pictures, mm. you know, and I have had a lot of parents ask me, is this illegal? Is this considered child pornography? You know, should we do this? Um, but I think, you know, and a lot of parents will say, well, it's just a bath time, you know, picture. They're, they're innocent. So if someone else is sexualizing it, then that's their problem, not the child's problem. But I think something that parents should really remember is even if that photo is a completely innocent picture and it's a little naked butt picture or something like that, um, we don't always know who's watching and who's paying attention to our online accounts 
quietly. So if, you know, if you have an account and your uh, pictures are all public and you have these pictures out there, some people, and I th I'm sure that you've probably heard this in some of the conferences or just know this, you know, from your line of work, but the predators kind of show a pattern where they have very distinct interests and very specific interests in the type of children that, you know, they want to seek out or that they want to find. And if they find a child that matches that description of their interest, and just an innocent photo, they might be snagging that picture, screenshotting it, taking it and, you know, putting it who knows where on the internet, maybe the dark web or maybe for their own gratification. So I usually encourage parents to think about those other things before they, you know, even though they that might be an innocent picture, someone still might be using it for purposes that are not, you know, something that you wouldn't be happy with. So just remembering, you know, when you've got little ones, remembering to try to limit the online presence that that you're sort of imposing on a child. And I don't say imposing in a bad way, um, but you know, sometimes we, we wanna share those things. We want to share the milestones and we wanna share the cute little pictures. So my suggestion would be keep keep those accounts private. Yeah, agreed, yeah. And it just, it, it just raises the risk level, right? The content does, like there's no, um, there's no, bad intent on on their behalf sharing it obviously like you said they want to share it because it's cute and it's a milestone and it's adorable and i've had this conversation with a mm -hmm. lot of friends and family um but like you said you don't know what other people are are um looking at that photo and seeing or 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 what their intent with those images might be and granted once we post it it's not like you said, I don't care. I'm doing it for the right reasons, but you do care and you don't want that to be used for, for bad purposes. So it is something to keep in mind, like who might get their hands on that if you post it out there and just remember those basic, basic safety things of once you post it, it's out of your control. So I think that's a really good point right. to make. Yeah. Yeah. So Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I would love to have you back on in the future because obviously we have so much that we could talk about. Um, but again, yeah, thank you so, thank so you. much for joining us and, and for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. And I feel like we could do a part two because I feel like there's more, more to talk about with the toddlers. I think so too. And I think that we will. So thanks again. Thanks to you listeners out there um, looking for online safety information. Join us next time. And as always, stay safe.